Coming up in this episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. So I grew up with some with some adversity that sort of had a pretty profound effect on me growing up. I become fairly angry, uh, left and joined the army really young, served the country over, overseas as a as a recon sniper soldier, returned even more broken and damaged with signs of PTSD. Uh, went back to my hometown and just continued to spiral out of control, uh, got right into the partying scene and the drug scene, um, fell into the arms of an outlaw motorcycle club uh, where I became a nominee uh, during that time. Uh, I was shot in a, in a, in a bikey brawl um, in a nightclub, one through the chest and another through the neck. That nearly took my life. Are you new to fatherhood? Not sure if you're dadding to your full potential? Well, you've come to the right place. Most dads aren't talking to each other about their lives as dads. Like it's some kind of secret. Well, this is the podcast that takes the secret out of fatherhood. This is Not So Secret Dad's Business. G'day, g'day, and welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. I'm your host, Nate Newman, as always, and today I'm bringing you another guest episode, guys. So today's episode is with a cool cat out of Perth. His name is Andrew Gelder, and he's actually got quite an interesting story. So uh, in this episode, we talk a lot about what it means to be present for our kids and, and how to be a good role model for them. And Andrew also goes into talking a little bit about his life and where he's been. So he w- he was in the army as a recon sniper, came out of the army, became a nominee for an MC, got into drugs and, and uh, bikey brawls and all that sort of stuff. And he ended up spending five years in prison out of a seven-year sentence. So... With that, he talks about coming out of prison, the adjustments he's had to make from prison life to civilian life, and uh, achieving his full potential, you know. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed having this conversation with Andrew because he made some really awesome points, and, and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. So without further ado, I present you my conversation with Andrew Goldert the founder of the Man-to-Man Brotherhood Movement. How are you, Andrew? Nice to have you on the show, man. Nate, thanks very much for having me. Uh, congrats on the, on the show. It's a and obviously your movements as well. It's uh, it's great to see this space and great to be here, mate. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Because you've got some really cool stuff going on lately with the the man to man brotherhood and 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 everything that you're doing with with your coaching and development business as well. So um, what I'd like to talk about is uh, well, what I'm really wondering is what what's brought you onto this scope to to be doing what you're doing today. Yeah, great question. Look, um, I probably six or twelve months ago started on the on the relationships, the personal development, and the transformational development journey. Uh, coming off a, a corporate job, uh, I knew this was my calling uh, for some time. I knew that I wasn't um, you know, living in my passion and my purpose, so 
um, I made some inroads to step out of out of the corporate world and doing what I'm doing now. But um, when I say it's my passion and my purpose, uh, it's come off the back of um, my own failures and my own, uh, you know, overcoming my own sets of adversity. So I draw on my past experience and my journey just as much as I do uh, the new skill sets that, I, that I've gained in, in, in the education and, and obviously certification field. So it's been an interesting journey to get to where I am, but um, yeah, really excited about the momentum I've been able to generate and, and what I'm giving back now. So yeah, it always feels good when you, you feel like you're actually serving a purpose and not just going through the motions, doesn't it? Oh, look, absolutely. Yeah, it's key. Um, and it's a part of the, the skill set that I bring and um, the service that I uh, give back to my clients is, um, you know, aligning them with what their passion and, and their purpose are about because it just brings so much fulfillment into life. You know, if, if, we're, um, if we're not getting satisfaction in our daily life or our relationships or whatever we're doing, um, we're, we're missing out on a big component to life. So, yeah, it's definitely key, definitely important. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, um, what's, what's sort of been the, the push behind giving you the purpose to do this? Because, I mean, it takes a lot of guts to finally make the jump from going from the corporate world and having that job security to just going out on your own and, and just trusting your gut and trusting that the passion is going to push you forward. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be attuned to to those sorts of fears and those sorts of barriers. I mean, even, even if it's such a... As, as such a, a young guy, you know, growing up, I um, had some family challenges. Uh, mum and dad broke up when I was about seven years old and uh, mum went looking for love in all the wrong places and um, exposed the family to some pretty extreme violence, which culminated in uh, my stepfather. He hung, hung himself in our backyard. I was watching that happen um, when I was about 11 years old. And so I grew up with some, with some adversity that sort of, had a pretty profound effect on me growing up. I've become fairly angry, uh, left and joined the army really young, served the country over, overseas as a, as a recon sniper soldier, returned even more broken and damaged with signs of PTSD, uh, went back to my hometown and just continued to spiral out of control, uh, got right into the partying scene and the drug scene, um, fell into the arms of an outlaw motorcycle club uh, where I became a nominee uh, during that time. Uh, I was shot in a, in a, in a bikey brawl um, in a nightclub, one through the chest and another through the neck. That nearly took my life. Um, and then later became embroiled in an undercover police operation uh, that spanned over about three to six months and took apart at the time my international uh, cocaine dealing syndicate uh, and resulted in me being sentenced to seven years of imprisonment. Uh, so... Yeah, when we talk about overcoming adversity and, and breaking through fears, um, yeah, I've been built through those experiences pretty pretty well. Uh, so yeah, you know, obviously turning my own life around and going through my own transformation, and you know, having been, you know, we're talking we're on a dad's program here, right? So uh, you know, leaving the day to go to court to to bend down to hug my my three year old, no, sorry, my four year old son and my three month old daughter. You know, I'm stepping out of their lives for a significant period of time which and I knew what I prepared for that um you know at the time you know you do the do the time I do the crime you, you pay the time and I had to front up I had to go through that so um just realizing that I'd failed on that level and having all those years to really dissect that um and really then begin to break myself down so that I could become the best version of myself but not only that be the best father I possibly could could be you know I had kids and, and I knew 
that I that I'd failed them. Um, I didn't push that into a self-destructive mode. I I I just prepared myself to take full ownership and responsibility of that failure and and then really want to progress that we're talking a snippet of the journey it it took a lot of inroads and a a lot of struggle to overcome you know that programming and that old person but I was very very determined to come out a different man and um to be the best father and the best person I could possibly be that's for sure yeah that's awesome I mean it's it's one thing to let stuff like that overcome you but it's a it's another thing to let it fuel you to to grow and to transform into something better. Uh, I mean, that's one hell of a resume you've got there. So, I mean, I can imagine it would have been a hell of a lot of hard work turning everything around. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Especially, you know, during the incarceration, you're locked into social circles. You know, I come from a sort of, you know, the the street, the underworld. So people perceive me um, and with that level of crime um, being all over the news and newspapers, whatever. So people expect certain things, certain behaviours of you. Um, and when I went about breaking those behaviours down and breaking my ego down and humbling myself and, and, and coming to terms with the fact that I'd become the product of my broken environment and making those steps and making those inroads, very, very difficult at the start. Very, very difficult. You know, I was talking to people and prison chaplains and psychologists and, you know, just even overcoming the, the stigma of being seen to be engaged in that by the other inmates. You know, that, that's, that's a, that, that takes some overcoming. And you're certainly right. I, I took so many back step, backward steps in the goals I was trying to achieve daily. You know, you think, when is this going to, when am I going to get this right? And there were so many other things along the way. But I, I do believe that whatever intent you set for yourself, is always going to be tested. Your authenticity will be tested. Or do you really want to change? Well, have you take a bit of that or try a bit of this? And it's going to test you. And, and I was tested and sometimes I failed. And that's that's a part of the growth and uh, the growth journey. And um, it's all a part of it, right? You've, I, I, like, I like the term, you fail your way to success. I think it's fantastic. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, there's so many lessons. You, you can either choose the perspective, and this is where I, what I was faced with during that time, is... I can either become a better criminal or I can learn and heal and extract every single piece of goodness out of this journey that I possibly could. And I did. I went about studying every day. I, I completed four TAFE diplomas and a, and a full Bachelor of Business in that five years. You know, I healed myself. I used every single minute um, to, to learn about myself and how I'd got myself there and speaking to psychologists and chaplains and every just just took every opportunity that I could to grow and um, and to become better and every chance that I had to interact with my son and my daughter, you know, during that time, um, I took and yeah, beautiful journey at the end of the day. And it was all off the back of the perspective. I could, you know, choose to be down the dumps and, 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 and it'd be a negative experience or again, I just chose to, to, um, make the most of it basically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, that's, that's absolutely fantastic, man. Um, well, with, with, everything that you went through having to go through, not only just obviously your previous life, um, but also being through prison, the prison system and, and seeing your children in that environment. How did that end up overall? Um, let me reword that, sorry. How did that end up affecting your parenting style or the, or the way you parent the kids? Yeah, in the, in the interim, I really... I guess 
was parenting from a place of hurt because I was, you know, I was obviously removed from their life. And, and I'd been through that as a, as a boy. And that my biggest fear was not being there for my, for my kids. And here it was being realized. So the first 12 months, I probably overdid it. You know, I was ringing up all the time and checking up and, um, yeah, in the end, I, I realized what I was doing and then took a step back. And um, I guess just became comfortable with everything being the way it was um, and, and then just loving them as much as I possibly could and interacting with them as much as I could. You know, they come up every weekend. I was lucky enough to be involved as, as, a, uh, as the captain of the, the local footy team inside. And because I was at a minimum security facility, we were able to go out on the weekends and play in the local league. So that was a re- another really beautiful um, medium of interaction that I had with my family and kids that I was able to take advantage of. Um, so yeah, for me, it was just really, um, you know, uh, letting them be a kid. Well, I had to go through what I went through and that was just to love them and support them and have a bit of fun. And I had this little game. I'll tell you this quick little story because you know, I got some laughs. Um, I used to put on this voice. My, my, my son used to love Ben 10. So on the prison phones and you only get 10 minutes. So you got to, and then you have to hang up. You can, you can do a couple of series of 10 minute phone calls, but I used to, used, used to love Ben 10. I used to pretend to be Ben 10 on the phone. I said, I'm in here. I'm in here at, um, at work with, and I used to call it work, right? Cause you know, I wasn't going to tell my, my three-year-old son that your four-year-old son, that dad was going to prison. You know, it's not, yeah. not, not fair on them. So um, I just said it was at work and I had to be away for a little while. And um, you know, I love Ben 10. So I'd, I'd say, I'm here with, I'm here at work with Ben 10. And he goes, Oh, are you really? I said, yeah, you want to talk to him? I was like, yeah, I'll grab him. So I'll grab him. Hey, buddy, this is Ben 10. How are you, champ? And uh, yeah, so it was just, again, it was finding all these little ways and means that I could connect with him um, on, on a different level and make it fun and, and interactive and minimise the, the, the impact on him. And look, it certainly had some impact. You know, I was away for, I was away for five years. Out of the seven years, I end up doing five years. So that's going to have a, an impact on any little boy and any, any little girl. So, but yeah, just again, you know, putting, putting back those things and during that time being as positive influence as I possibly could and then getting out and, and then trying to rectify the situation as best you can. Yeah. Well, with, with coming out uh, after five years, obviously you, you end up, being inside for so long that you, you you build a routine that you have to live by, obviously. Um, how did you go adjusting to not having that, needing to have that that routine anymore and being able to sort of live a bit freer and, and interact with your kids without repercussion of, of discipline or, or whatever by overstepping some ridiculous rules, you know? Yeah, very, very tough part of the journey. Uh, I thought I'd done all my work inside to come out and really flourish and embrace and to a lot of a lot of in a lot of regards I did um, but in reality uh, you are and and especially looking back um, in retrospect you know it, there's such a massive adjustment you know and it, like I say it wasn't six months it wasn't three months we're talking about year on year of of, of this situation so yeah you, you're definitely right um, you know coming back out and interacting and and um, you know, getting back into the swinger society and 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 the freedoms that you have and the luxuries and but then again, fitting into the family component as well was tough because you know they got on with life. You know, life life had kept going and and I wasn't there and so fitting back in with you know with my long term partner and their structure and their routine, yeah, certainly many many months um, of feeling out of place, uh, feeling a little bit at a loss, um, and certainly yeah that that discipline and that structure of the daily life all 
or goes out the window. But yeah, so it was a bit of a it's, it's a tough journey. Change is a tough journey, especially on, on that level. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine so. I would definitely imagine so. So, um, I mean, did you have any issues as well with with uh, your criminal past, sort of trying to creep back in as well? Because obviously you'd had your mindset that you know you were on a different path now and you were moving forward, doing doing bigger and better things. Uh, I mean, did you have that risk of being dragged dragged back in, or did those opportunities arise? No, look, I think uh, the the intent that I had was always to um, to get out and and become you know obviously the best father and the best family man that I could possibly be and put those pieces of my family back together. Uh, so for me. You know, and, you know, when you talk about year on year, um, you know, life on the outside moves on very quickly without, you know, you know that, that vacuum is filled. So for me, people of my past moved on. I was able to move on. And that's, that, that's also what worked for me, right? That created a big barrier of time for people to grow and develop in their own life and, and um, I guess, move away from those sorts of friendships. And I was very careful, you know, when I got out, I had all sorts of stipulations on me for my two, two years of, of parole. So I was very restricted. So again, that was something that sort of kept me on the straight and narrow, so to speak. And um, yeah, but I was always determined. Absolutely. You know, I'd spent a long time um, getting ready to, to um, achieve my full potential, which as a kid I always got told I would underachieve. But yeah, for me it was all it was a, it was a family focus, my kids focus, and let's get this let's get this show back on track and and um, put back the the pieces that I that I'd broken. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, having all that now behind you, what does what's life look like now for you? Yeah, so I got out. I um, I was able to luckily achieve um, you know some. Pretty good career success. I, I worked my way through a supervisory role, and when, if we go back a step, I started sweeping off, uh, sweeping warehouse floors to start off with, um, and you know, I was making those floors the, the cleanest they'd ever been. Um, that's what. I, that's just the intent that I was applying, and I was lucky enough to get a supervisor role, fly and fly out. That progressed on to my, uh, me being a project manager, then senior projects. Uh, I got out of that company. Um, I started my own business, um, was, was uh, built a multi-million dollar construction business. Uh, it ended up eating me alive and I was gaining no fulfillment out of the business. So we shut that down. Um, and that's when I started making steps towards more what I was passionate and, um, and what my purpose was, because I just knew that, you know, that that corporate world, there was something missing there for me. And I knew that the experience that I'd had, I'd, I had so much more to give and to give back. Um, and you know, for me, especially, you know, stepping into that role model, which I took really, really seriously getting out for my kids, it was, hey, what am I going to do to give my life every opportunity to do the things that I'm passionate about and, and it's my purpose and, and to show them that, you know, to, to follow their dreams. And I was, I wanted to follow my dreams. And, and that was a way for me too. Like I started to realise that everything that I'd been through was for a reason. It wasn't for any reason and it wasn't going to just fold away into nothingness. I was actually going to leverage and capitalise and, and, and embrace that. And now I tell my story openly. You know, it's, it's something that is a, it was my past and that's exactly what is my past. 
So yeah, life for me now is is my my coaching business, um, uh, my my studies around tantra and and energetic alignment, which is a huge thing for me uh, because you know if you're not right in your own soul and your in your own body, you're always striving for external validation or success um, without um, without being able to uh, able to achieve that. So that's important. Um, my relationship broke down at the same time as my business did um, after 18 years and her walking that journey with me through prison and um, you know the underworld and all those sorts of things, which was really, really hard, disappointing. Um, so I'm a single father. Um, I have my kids and my ex-partner is now flying fly out. She's you know getting on her feet and doing what she's got to do. So I have the kids full time. Um, they go to a school not too far away from me and um, I, I live a blessed life. I've, I've had some really great success in the business that I've got going and um, that generally happens when you're living in alignment with your, your passion, your purpose, I find. Um, and that's something that I teach and yeah, so just giving giving my kids every opportunity to um to be the best they can be now, and and look, that's a that's a tough journey in itself. We don't as fathers we we, we want to refer to that man that manual, don't we? But um yeah, just just being the best role model and the best dad I can possibly be, mate. Yeah, awesome, absolutely awesome. So we okay, so being a, a single dad and doing everything that you're doing with with your personal development. And I believe you've already kick, also kicked off a, a podcast as well. Um, how are you handling all of this as well as being a full-time single dad and, and all of that? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's all about the balance, isn't it? Um, and, and uh, yeah, I certainly don't get everything right all the time. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of give and take. I'm, I'm lucky to have a really supportive mum. She's here a lot with, with me and the kids and, you know, cooking and doing all those things in the background and uh, you know, I've got a great little local community where schools are really close, shops are really close, which obviously helps as well. So yeah, I just feel everything's working for me at the moment. I'm very, very humbled and very blessed. Um, and yeah, I, I think too, like for me, um, it's being present in what you do. Like if I if I do go to the park with the kids or we go do something, it's just it's trying to be there and be fully present for them because the phone's always going. We've you know we've always got that lure to check the phone or the message and like you say i've got a lot going on right with the the man to man let's talk about a podcast i'm, I'm recording that um you know a book release so a lot of things happening but um feet on the ground mate i think that's the most most important thing and and like i say when when i'm with the kids it's it's about them you know and, and keeping that connection there without floating too far off and into the distance and and neglecting them and you know as a father I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to have my kids i know a lot of dads go through that breakup and um, they don't get to see their kids at all, which is, you know, it's it's shattering and for some dads, life changing. Um, and I've seen it time and time again. I support a lot of a lot of um, fathers and um, you know guys that are struggling through that themselves. So I know I'm acutely aware of that. So again, I'm pretty blessed and pretty humbled to be in the position I am with my kids. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, I never I never understood it until I became a dad. But spending that time with my son, I know I treasure it for everything that it's got. It's probably the most valuable time that I've got in, in my, my arsenal, you know, and, and being present with them and, and hands-on, I think is an awesome thing to do because it's, it's becoming more prevalent now, but it's not something traditionally that has happened. It's, you know, it's, it's relatively new thing to have fathers being hands-on and, and really doing the nitty gritty of the parenting. And this is, I guess, where where I get a little frustrated because 
a lot of society still sees men as babysitters in a way. You know, you take the kids out grocery shopping or whatever, dad's babysitting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think look, slowly that stigma is changing, um, you know, with the stay-at-home dad or, or the dad's taking more of that uh, more of that role on board or, you know, whether it be that their partner is, is more career-focused than they are. I think we're, we're slowly getting the, getting the better of, of, of breaking that stigma. We've still got a long, long way to go. But I can't think of anything better for any man um, than to be vulnerable and humble to their kids um, and, and to want to engage. And, you know, historically, and I know growing up for me, uh, dad was, you know, at the workshop. He was working with with the man. He was he was doing his thing, and and that was back then. And that's that generational, I guess, difference between now and then, right? And it's always changing, and we're always learning. And uh, they certainly don't think that they got it right. And there's obviously side effects to the way we were brought up, and some of it good, some of it bad, you know. But um, yeah, certainly for me, um, and especially after my family broke up, and not having that hands on father figure role, I know that that had an impact on me and the decisions that I made later on down the track. So for me, and, and I think the most important thing is to, you know, when we grow up, we get programmed, right? From the ages of zero to about eight or 10 years old, we're being installed with a program, right? Our subconscious mind is a huge, huge part of our brain. 90, 95% of our brain is subconscious, right? So we do get programmed with the behaviors and the beliefs of our parents. It's also handed down um, throughout, throughout genes and in genetically, but you don't know, have to go, dive too far into that but the understanding is that the behaviors of our parents and 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 our, and our genetic makeup installs a program in us when we're young now to break that right it's a conscious effort to say no i don't want to repeat the same mistakes of my parents i want to heal their mistakes and i'll become better and learn from their mistakes and and yes being being without a uh, hands-on father for me was an issue so and, and i i subjected my kids to that but i was lucky enough to learn and lucky enough to say, well, I'm, I'm here to get the best out of the situation, best out of myself and put those things back um, and, and break that cycle as best I can. I sure failed at that to start, but, um, um, you know, since being, since being released and putting my life back together, it's, it's definitely a key focus of mine. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but definitely for myself, uh, you know, my father being of the baby boomer generation as well, he was... Uh, you know, very hands-on in the, in the workshop and, and that sort of thing. And so my parenting tactic, I guess, has been sort of, uh, you know, do the opposite of what dad did, you know, and, and I, I sort of put myself in my son's shoes and think, well, what would I, how would I have wanted my dad to have acted in this position or in this situation? And that's how I try to treat my son. You know, um, for example, uh, when I was a kid, I can't. I, I would have loved Dad to have come to the hockey games, you know, in, as I was a kid and, and that sort of thing. But that wasn't a priority for him. Whereas now my son, he's just started little athletics, and instead of just taking him each week, I've I've thought I'll jump jump in the deep end, and I've now you know I'm managing the under six boys every Saturday, you know. So how how did not having a hands-on dad affect you? Like, was it a sort of similar sort of motivation or, yeah, how did it sort of motivate your parenting style and, and how you do things? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think, um, you know, there's a time where I wasn't analysing that as a father, when, you know, when you first have kids, you know, that's not really in your thought processes. But as they grow up, it definitely becomes more, 
uh, more present where you reflect on your own growing up and then you reflect on where, you know, you almost look at yourself in them. You think, oh, I remember when I was that age or, you know, especially when, you know, my boy's 14 now. So, um, you know, you look at him and you remember yourself when, you know, six, seven, eight, and, and you sort of see yourself and reflect and and use, for me, you use that to connect with, with your kid because we we're, were there too once, right? But, um, yeah, having having a hands-off father for me, um, let me, you know, and, and we come back to that role model, right? Um, you know, I'd see my dad, we spent a period of time away from him then I'd see him every second weekend and, you know, talking with him and engaging with him, he just wasn't able to have that influence on me, you know, over my life. And, and, and this is what the difference is because everything he was speaking was, you know, he was a successful businessman and you know, everything he was saying obviously was right. But then there's being a role model and giving me something to model my behavior off. Now I went back to mum's for the next two weeks and, it, you know, all hell was breaking loose and, um, you know, coming to the teenage years and I'd, I'd already started kicking my own goals. No one was doing that for me. And I was failing in a lot of things and I was already drinking and out, out, drugs and alcohol and fighting. I'd, I'd become, I'd become angry and playing footy. And so, so for me, I had no one to really role model my behavior from. So I, I guess you could say from a, a fairly young age, I was already spearing, spearing off, off the, off the track. So, um, you know, and bringing that back to the influence I had over me, and, and now fathering my own children, you know, I always check myself, you know, to make sure the advice that I'm giving is the way that I'm living my life. I know that he's modelling that behaviour. And, you know, there's so many challenges, you know, whether, whether it be you know, your eating habits or your exercise habits or, or your phone habits or whatever it is, you know, the, you're setting the precedent and that's what a role model does. And we're all leaders, right? We're, we, all, we're all, we're all, we all stand, at, stand at the head of our families, um, you know, and, and I say we stand with our partners. We don't stand as above them as, as, a, as, a, as a man. You know, we, we stand, when I say at the table, as, as the divine masculine man. Um, you know, we are leaders. We, we're leading ourselves. We're leading our families and we're, we're leading our children. And there's no greater privilege. And that is a privilege. And sometimes I see fathers and, and, and men not take it as such. You know, they take it for granted or, or they're not actually doing what you've just said. You know, you, you look at yourself um, as, a, as a child and I did the same thing. I, I resonate with that. You know, I was playing footy and I, I could really play. And sometimes I'd look at the boundary and, and want dad to be there or he said he was going to come and I look for him and he's not there and that, that level of disappointment. So that's a real, I, find, I think that's a really great strategy to reflect on what you wanted as a kid and then and then enact that into your your child's life. I think it's a really great strategy, but there's so many, so many guys just don't do that. But um yeah, certainly definitely some rewards there in doing so. Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I'm also a, the sort of person that I'm very self-aware. So I mean I've never scrutinized myself ever as hard as when I became a dad, you know. And so all I've been doing is is like watching my behavior because there are so many things that you don't realize that kids are picking up from you, you know, and it could be the good, it can be the bad. Uh, but the day that that really clicked for me was, was uh, my son had walked up to his mum and, and put his hand on her face and are you okay, my love? And I turned around and said, well, where's he picked that up from? And, and my, my partner had to say, look, you call me that all the time. He's picked that up from you. And so, yeah, after that, I sort of had that realisation that everything I do is being scrutinised by him. And so I need to scrutinise it just as hard. Otherwise, 
that whole role model thing can turn from positive to negative real fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the time, you know, if, you, if you're not aware of that, by the time you do realise it, you've got the, this issue that you're trying to um, reverse, that you, that you need to go back and say, oh, no, what have I created or what have I done? And, and it is, it's a big, it's, when you think about it like that, it's a big weight to bear. You know, we're, we're formulating uh, behaviours and patterns and thought patterns and, um, and mannerisms for these children for the rest of their life, you know, and it could it could be the determining factor to their to their their success and the outcome of their life. So um, definitely something that you know we need to take uh, definitely take seriously. Yeah, definitely. It, it kind of uh, it reminds me of that uh, that song "Cats in the Cradle." How you know, like sons or children always tend to emulate their parents, and and especially sons idolize their fathers and want to want to. Uh, emulate their fathers obviously so yeah that that's one one sort of uh i guess thing i've got in my life that sort of keeps me on my toes as well like that song will come on and i'll sort of i'll think about that and go ah well what am i doing that's not not what i want to sort of pass on to my son you know yeah yeah Uh, again a great way to to check ourselves and make sure that what we are doing is is what we would want to see from from our from our son or daughter so Again, and, and that's the level of influence that we're having. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, Andrew, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks for, for coming on the show, man. Um, for anybody that wants to follow you and, and what you're doing, uh, where can they find you? And also, uh, where will they be able to find the podcast once it kicks off? Okay, so podcast will be on any global podcast platform. Uh, it'll be Man to Man, Let's Talk About It with Andrew Geldert, uh, signed by Bad Boys Media. So they'll be able to find that anywhere. There'll be some uh, media releases a- a- around the podcast. Uh, look, I'm, um, I'm in the process of rebooting my website. So just find me at uh, Andrew Geldert on Facebook. And my men's movement, uh, as you mentioned before, is Man to Man Brotherhood Movement, uh, Facebook men's support group. So uh, catch me on there as well. Hit me up via Messenger. Uh, also got my Facebook uh, business page as well. You can contact me via there or via WhatsApp. So, yeah, certainly if there's anything I could do to, um, you know, give my services back, um, yeah, reach out. Yeah, and for the guys that are listening, I do definitely, uh, you know, encourage you to check out the Man to Man Brotherhood on Facebook because it is a, a really awesome group. Um, the posts I've been seeing there lately have been absolutely phenomenal with guys just being open and honest about about life and, and their situation and, and stuff they're learning. So, you know, I think I think it's a benefit for anyone, really. Yeah, definitely. You know, we try to... Uh, we've got a vision to be the most authentic, you know, supportive uh, men's support group uh, that exists. And it's just a, it's a safe place, right? Uh, whether you want to drop a video or a post or, you know, lift each other up, but also it's a, it's a forum for us to celebrate our wins. You know, guys are so hard on themselves and as fathers, you know, when we, you know, we're our own worst critic, right? So when we jump into a space and we're lifting each other up and also celebrating each other's wins, we've got that platform, we've got that outlet. You know, we're so busy, we're so focused, parenting, you know, we, we, we're getting squeezed on, on this time factor and taking that time out for ourselves. So a brotherhood movement is exactly that, just a, a safe place to share and lift each other up and, um, and support each other. So, yeah, definitely encourage all the guys out there to, to join in. We're a global brotherhood movement and uh, we're going all the way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, I love what you're doing, Andrew. So, yeah, look, thank you for coming on the show with me today and having a chat with me. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. 
Pleasure, Nate. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, good luck with your movement too in the, in the um, not so secret uh, Dad's Business Mate. I think it's a it's a, it's a great forum and um, a great means. So keep up the great work for you too, mate. And thanks very much for having me on. Not a worry. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to find out more about today's guest, just check out the links in the show notes. You can follow the podcast as well on social media at Not So Secret Dads Business or on our website, notsosecretdadsbusiness.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review the show. It helps more than you realize. Until next time, guys, be the best dad you can be.